Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we begin a new series, True Community. Today, Curtis Zachary shares with us some insights on our need for one another as Christians. Listen as Curtis helps us see what God is calling us to be and do while we're here on earth running for Jesus. <laughs> it's fun. I just think that song is so fun, man. I'm just, that's a great way to lead into it, uh, into the time. Is it cool if we, uh, pray real quick? I just, I need God's help. Uh, so I just would appreciate the time to pray together. If you could pray for me just for our time, uh, that would be great. Uh, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you have given us arrows. Uh, you've given us arrows that point directly to hope. Man, what an amazing reality this morning that there is no way that we can leave this place without knowing that Jesus Christ is hope. Uh, that in and of itself is enough for us to proclaim that and to believe that. Uh, but we are thankful that for these next few minutes we have the chance to break bread in your word and to ask you to show us something. And so God, no matter what our history is with church or trying to figure out what it means to understand Jesus, I pray that you would show us something this morning. God, we come with empty hands ready for you to give us what we need, and take from us what we don't. Uh, we're, we're here with open hands. God, speak to us. Show us something. I, I need you. I need your help. There's nothing good that I have to offer without your power. And so I'm just trusting your power this morning. Uh, we love you, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So yeah, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to get to run together a little bit. Uh, we are going to be looking at a series called true community. Uh, man, what a beautiful opportunity for me to share with you because I truly believe that this is extended family for me. I feel like I'm a part of this crew uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, it is fun for me to be here every time. Uh, there is uh, so much uh, just enjoyment in the process of preparing and praying and actually spending time with all of you. So uh, man, just want to continue to get to know you guys, and uh, prayerfully God will bless our, our time together. And this idea of true community, it's important for us to look at it because we understand that community transcends or is bigger than one church, right? We know that there's a big C church where we are all connected as the family of God, and it's important for us to understand uh, why God built it into us that way, that we would need to have other people be a part of our journey. Like, it's completely evident throughout Scripture that we need one another. I need you just like you need me as we are a part of this kingdom of God. And so what we start doing is asking the question, well, what does it mean for us to truly be community? There's a lot of different ideas about community. That word is thrown around a lot in church. And uh, I think the best way that we can start looking at what does it mean for us to be true community is to actually look at what is the true mission of community. I think that's where I wanted to start uh, this, this series to examine the true mission of community. What is God calling us to be about while we are here on earth 
running for Jesus. Now, I understand that there are people of, in the room that maybe are new to this exploration. Maybe you're not exactly sure what you want to do with the whole Jesus thing. This is something that you're exploring, and, and, and I get that. And I think this series will help us to uh, examine and have a full picture of what God desires for us. And I think for some of us that have kind of been in church for a while and, and doing, uh, doing church and, and, and running with Jesus for a while, I think this will be a great either reminder or a great uh, pointer to what God desires of us and from us while we're here on earth. So if you got a Bible, we're going to start in the book of Revelations, Revelation 21. And I can't lie at all uh, about how excited I am to share this truth with you. And the reason that I am so excited about this truth is that I have experience some things that have been rough in my life. Anybody with me? Like I've experienced stuff in my life that have caused questions of God. I I don't know about you guys, but man, I have had times very recently in my life where uh, things have happened and things have occurred that I would look at and say, man, if I were God, I would not do it that way. I don't know if you guys have ever had those moments or something happens to you in your life situation and you're like, man, why is this occurring? Like, what is the point of all of this stuff? And there have been hard times that I've experienced in my life. And so that's what makes me super excited about this opportunity to share this word with you. And I believe, man, if we can look at what God is saying to us through these first couple of verses right here and begin to believe that this is true, Man, I think it could change our lives. It could change our lives. I know that's a big statement, but man, I absolutely believe it. And what we're about to see right here in Revelation chapter 21 is John, this man named John, is receiving a revelation from God of what's going to happen at the end of all things. Now, that's pretty heavy right there. At the end of all things, John gets a little peek, a little insight, a little glimpse at what's going to happen when everything starts wrapping up, when the whole show comes to an end, the finale, if you will. And John is looking at this vision. He sees this vision and God is showing him what's going to happen. And in chapter 21, verse 4, we see this proclamation that should bring hope to us immediately. It says, he, and there's a capital H right there. (laughs) That's uh, God right there. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Now, we can stop right there, and like I said, some of us have experienced some things. And because we've experienced some things, when you hear those words, it should bring this element of hope. Because it says right there, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Man, I know that many of us have had sleepless nights filled with tears because of suffering. I know many of us in here have experienced things that have gone beyond our understanding and have created such pain that it has made it feel like we have been crushed. But what he's saying right here is, man, there's hope. And let me go on and read this verse 5, because this is really right here what it's all about. He says, 
And he who was seated on the throne. So John sees this vision and there's one that is seated on the throne. And the one that is seated on the throne says this, behold, I am making all things new. And then he said this, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, this right here, friends, can change our lives. He says, I'm going to make all things new. Write it down. It's a trustworthy. I love how he says that. He's like, man, take that to the bank. Man, take it to the bank. What I'm saying, I promise you, I'm going to make it all new again. You can write that down because it's going to happen. Now, for us to get excited about that, for us to understand what he's talking about, we have to go back to the beginning. Because in the beginning of all things, we know that God created everything. And when he created everything, he created it perfectly. No flaws, no blemishes, no mistakes, everything good and in rhythm. And creation was made to bring God glory and humanity was created perfectly to be in relationship with God. But then the greatest problem in all of the Bible enters into the equation and that problem is what? Sin. And sin enters into the equation now creating a separation between the creation that God made to be with him. So now there is creation on this side filled with sin and it is separated from a perfect and holy God. Sin enters in and creates a wall, a barrier between humanity and God. As a matter of fact, all of creation now suffers because of sin. So sin is a big problem. And God created everything perfectly in the beginning of all things. He created us to be in rhythm, to be locked in with him, to worship him, to be in relationship with him. And now sin is a barrier. It creates a separation between us and God. And all of humanity is now groaning, is longing, is trying to get back to that place of connection. All of humanity is trying to do everything that it can to get back to where God, who is loving and just and beautiful and perfect, accepts mankind fully and wholly, but sin continues to create a barrier. And it separates us. From God, the rhythm is off. Everything that was good, everything that was lovely is now tainted and broken because of sin. And we're all longing for restoration. Like humanity now begins to long to get back to that place. Like humanity desires, it says in the Bible that we were made with an eternal longing in our hearts. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, it says that God set eternity in our hearts. So what that means is there is a longing in our hearts. There is this desire that's in our hearts for something that is eternal. And there's only one thing that is eternal and that's God. But what happens is we try to find other things to satisfy this longing. And so we fill it with uh, all kinds of different stuff and thinking that it's going to fill this longing because, you know, we all are made to worship. You know that, right? 
So like these longings that we have, like these times when we get stuck in addiction, when we get stuck in places where we always want one thing, we lift up something that, that shouldn't be in the place that it is, but it becomes something that we worship. It is an idol in our lives. And we do this because we were created to worship. The problem is we find our worship or identify our worship places in the wrong spots. So now we're longing, we're longing, we're longing to be back with God. But there's a huge barrier between humanity and God. And that barrier is sin. We're all longing for restoration. Like I said, it's not just us, but it says all of creation in Romans chapter 8, verse 22. It says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. So what we realize now is that sin created a pretty big problem. And the sin problem that we have really messes up some stuff, right? Like, there's no question about it. It messes up stuff. Like, where has, has, has God been in the midst of difficult situation? Like, why is God not showing up when this is happening? We start asking this question. Uh, how can bad things happen to good people? Why is there pain? Why is there death? Why is there suffering? And all of a sudden, we start to realize, wait a minute. This isn't that deep of a question. This isn't that hard of an answer. All of this brokenness exists because sin exists in our culture, in our lives. Sin is what creates this brokenness. And then it says that all of creation is longing to get back to the beginning when God created everything and it was all good. What did God say in the beginning? I'm going to make all things new. So that's why it's a big deal. It's a big deal to hear that God promises that he's going to make all things new because when it was all new, it was perfect. And right now, everything is not perfect. Do you need convincing on this? <laughs> Do we realize that this is true? Here, uh, how about this? Um, in the Bay Area, there is no longer racism. Right? <laughs> Come on, man. It's 2014, man. What you talking about? There's no racism there's no problems with people interracially intermingling. There's no prejudice. Come on, man. And then you turn on the TV, you see this case with Trayvon Martin and it divides a country. There's no problems. Our, our world is broken. What about politics? Like the one thing that I know, I'm going to tell you like this. The one thing that I know is that if I want to throw a warm and loving successful dinner party is to get good food and then we'll just sit around the table and just talk about politics, right? <laughs> That's a good, warm, loving time. Come on, man. This world is broken. What about culture? Man, I can go and sit down and watch television with a little five-year-old boy. You know, we'll just go watch whatever comes on TV, any channel I want to watch. We'll just turn it on and we'll just watch the same thing. What about like the definition of marriage? 
We start talking about the definition of marriage. Everybody's on the same page with that one, right? Our world is broken. And what we realize in our world being broken is that we need somebody to fix it. Man, we should be longing for things to be restored. All of creation is groaning because we know that this is not the way that it's supposed to be. But what we realize is that there is a beautiful, amazing, wonderful bit of hope that we learn of in Ephesians chapter 2, that Christ has brought us near. Christ in the midst of all of this, has brought us near. So everything was created perfectly. Sin enters in, creates a separation between jacked up creation and beautiful holy God. And now sin is a barrier, but we realize in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, can somebody say amen? Amen. Now look at this. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Listen to what happens right here. Because we see this promise, what we started with. We started at the end, kind of in the beginning. We, I don't know if you guys know this. Like, I don't want to mess up the story for you guys. Like, if you're kind of new to what's happening. But, like, Jesus wins at the end. I don't know if y'all knew. I just want to get that out the way. I don't mean it's spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah, he wins, right? So Jesus wins at the end. So we kind of start at the end, at the beginning. We say, man, he promises that he's going to make all things new. But for us to appreciate that, we're saying, well, why does it need to be made new again? Well, in the beginning, everything was perfect and we were in rhythm with God and our relationship with him was untainted. That's what's important. That's what we're looking toward. But then we realize that sin creates problems. All of creation is groaning. So now we see that Jesus enters into the equation right here and he brings us near. It says that he repairs what was broken. And what we see as a dividing wall of hostility, the problem, the beef that I have with God and that God has with me, it says in the Bible that we're enemies in sin. It says that this wall is now broken down because of Jesus. Why is this important? This is important because as a follower of Jesus, do you still have the temptation to sin? If that's a no, you and I need to talk because you need to write a book. (laughs) Every one of us remains broken, filled with the spirit of God. But it says in Galatians chapter five that our flesh and our spirit will be at war until we die. So what that means is there will continually be a process for us to die to that flesh every single day so that I would submit to the spirit of God that is with me. But what it also means is this promise that God will make all things new. It's not done yet, is it? It's it's a process, right? Like, so what does that mean for us? So that means, man, I meet Jesus and you're saying that all things are, are made new, like Jesus is the one that will restore everything. 
But when I meet Jesus, do I just evaporate into thin air as soon as I understand his, his saving love and his graciousness toward me? No, I'm still here and I'm still in this world and I'm still trying to figure it all out. So there's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a true mission. This is what is so amazing. I believe that the true mission of true community, us connected as followers of Jesus, I believe that the mission that he has for us is to join him in the work of renewing all things. I believe that that's our mission. Where are you getting that from? Where are you getting that from? Well, you remember in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, they asked Jesus, Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? Can you tell us the best way to pray to you? Can you help us understand how we connect to you in prayer? And what does he say? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Many of you have heard this before. Many of you maybe even know it by heart. You might have even recited it. But let's just like look at some of the words that he tells us to pray and think about it for a little bit. He says, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's stop right there. Now, (laughs) every time I say it, I just have to stop because there is like a sermon in just the first two words of this prayer. Because what does Jesus say to these mere men, like regular people? What does Jesus say? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, wait a minute, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, George, I don't know if they know what I'm saying. Look, (laughs) Jesus, the Son of God, is saying to people, when you pray, you pray our Father, your Father and my Father together. The same Father that I have, you have the same access to that Father. So when you pray, You pray knowing and understanding that our father, the father you're praying to, is the same father that Jesus says, I only do the work of the father. I only say what the father tells me to say. That's what Jesus would say about God. He says, no, when you pray, that's who you're praying to. And then he says, our father who art in heaven. So he's basically saying positionally, when you pray, you need to know, number one, this is our father. He is connected all of us. But then he says, pray like you know where he is. Our father who's in heaven. What he's saying is, you know, positionally, God is above everything. He is over everything. He has all power. He is in heaven. He is perfect. So when you're praying, Jesus is reminding you that you're praying. It's our father, but you're also praying. I know that he has all authority. Our father who's in heaven. Then he says, hallowed be thy name. Your name is revered. Your name is great. There is power in the name of God. Just the name alone is hallowed. It is revered. And so what he says to us when we pray is number one, Know who you're praying to. This is our father. Number two, know where he's at. He's over everything. And then number three, know that his name is great. So basically what he's saying is when you pray, you better come with a really nice intro. (laughs) So he comes with this intro acknowledging who we're praying to. But then check this out. 
This is the thing that is so important to me right here. This is the thing that brings all of this together. This is the thing that solidifies what I believe is our mission as a true community. This thing right here is the glue. The first thing that Jesus tells us to ask for, because that was basically just an introduction. God, I know who you are. I know where you are. And I know you're awesome. Now the first thing that he tells us to ask for is what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. He does not say, the first thing I want you to ask for is that earth would go to heaven. He doesn't say, I want you to pray that stuff from here would go to heaven. No, he says, I want you to pray that heaven comes down. I want you to pray that earth looks like heaven when? Right now. Isn't that crazy? The first thing that Jesus tells us to ask for is the restoration of earth. That earth would be made new. Let me tell you why this is important. For a long time, I was kind of raised in and discipled in this idea that evangelism or sharing the gospel was really like this. Like it's Jesus in a lifeboat. And we all need to get as many people as we can in the Jesus lifeboat because hell uh, it, on earth is about to ensue and earth is going to hell in a handbasket, right? It's going to all explode. So get as many people as you can, throw them in the Jesus lifeboat. The lifeboat will sail off into the sunset and the earth is just going to... And if you try to tell somebody about Jesus and they don't like what you're saying, then, you know, shake the dust off and keep moving, right? Man, we know how to take some verses out of context, don't we? Like, we can, we can mess up some Bible verses if you give us some time. Yeah, if they don't want to hear it, don't cast pearls before swine. You tell them about Jesus, and if they say no, well, you just keep moving. Don't worry about it, because this all is going to explode anyway. This is all... He doesn't care. He just wants whoever's going to come. Man, it says in Colossians. It says that Jesus is going to reconcile all things back to himself in heaven and on earth. What he's saying to us is that I care. It's not just get on the Jesus lifeboat because this, the ship is sinking. No, it's I want to save the ship. And I want you to help me. I want to use you so that you can join me in the restoration and renewal of all things. Now we should look at that and immediately become overwhelmed because we all know that we're part of the problem, right? So we're sitting here saying, okay, this true mission is that he is calling us to be a part of the renewal of all things, to join him in the work of renewing all things. But I know myself and I know that I'm part of the problem because I'm a broken man. I am filled with the spirit, but my flesh continues to desire what it wants. So how can I join him in the work of the renewal of all things? There's some verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that speak directly to this idea. How can I join Jesus? Is this truly the mission of the community? Is this really what he's saying to us? Because what this means to us now is 
I can't just look at stuff on earth and say, oh, that's beyond saving right there. Yeah, I don't know about those people. I don't know if I can. Or the way that we treat the earth or the way that we treat people. It changes things because now we're saying we're not just trying to get away from this in the name of Jesus. We're trying to see it all redeemed and bought back and made new in the name of Jesus. So everything becomes something that Jesus desires to make new. Changes things. And so what we start to realize as we're doing this or walking in this is that our brokenness, man, it could be a problem if we're trying to do it, if we're trying to figure it out. But these verses in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Man, you talk about a whoo right there. That says that this work is truly what we're called to. But this work has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. When they're talking about jars of clay, it's, you got to think back in the day, they're making these jars. And you got to know that they're like rudimentary tools. Like they're not uh, these forms and like machines that we have. And so they're making these jars out of clay. Now these clay jars are very fragile. They're going to be breakable. And on top of that, the jars are not going to be perfectly smooth. There are going to be some bumps on those bad boys. There's going to be some marks on there. You're going to be able to see the character. No two jars are going to look exactly the same when they're made out of clay, right? And now what we're saying is you trust this imperfect, fragile jar of clay to hold something that is very important. Now, when you look at that, it's kind of counterintuitive because you would say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to put something that's important in something that's more sturdy. Well, do you not see that God has done the exact same thing with us? We are broken people that continue to be tempted to sin. And yet he has trusted us with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And he's allowed it to reside in these broken jars. Man. How much more does it make me realize knowing my broken, you know you, right? You know you. And to think that you know you and yet God says, I want to use you. Man, how much more do we just say, God, I'm yours. Use me. Use me. Now the renewal of all things isn't as daunting because you realize it's not about you. It's all about him. And when we realize that that's true and we begin to live that way, all of a sudden, everything changes. Man, really quickly, I just, I think about this story of uh, when my wife and I were in Tennessee. I was youth pastor and there was a girl that was in our ministry. Her name was Stephanie. And not to belabor the story, but she uh, was an amazing girl. She was super talented uh, man, she could sing, she could dance, she could write poetry, she could rap, she could pretty much anything she tried to do, she figured it out. She had a lot of friends, everybody loved her, man, a beautiful personality, sweet spirit, and she started getting headaches and realized that she had a brain tumor. 
So now Stephanie has this brain tumor, and they realize that there's this uh, experimental treatment at Duke University in North Carolina. And so she started going down to Duke uh, every week to do these treatments. And then uh, I remember the Sunday uh, when she came back uh, from what she was still pretty fragile and weak, but she went, went on the stage and she said to everybody in the church that the brain tumor was gone. And I remember like we were all like cheering and celebrating. And it was like, man, this is awesome because she's so sweet, such a beautiful girl, man. Like she has a future, man. Like, thank you, God. Like this, this tumor is gone. Like the cancer is gone. And we were celebrating. But the thing that I remember so vividly about that was the way that she was giving all of the credit, regardless of what happened to God. And she was basically saying over and over again, it's not about me. It's all about him. And she was basically saying, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, it's his story, not my story. And soon after that, thinking that the tumor was gone and everything was good, the tumor came back. And when it came back, it came back aggressively to the point where they said, there is no treatment for this. We have to just manage your pain. Those are not words you want to hear. And so now this beautiful young girl is stuck in this hospital. And we went to visit her and stuff. And I remember the first time I went to visit um, after kind of that prognosis, uh, it was right around the time when, you guys remember when Haiti had that big earthquake and it was just like a lot of damage and problems and they were just running specials and people were doing all kinds of things you know and she was watching that and she told her brother Sean she was like Sean I want you to get my money and send my money down to the people in Haiti like she's sitting here on on a bed with cancer dying and she's thinking about other people and like those nurses those people that are in that room like what is this who is this I remember uh, they said that she started to lose her speech, like she couldn't really communicate. And they said uh, there was a time where she was in the room and they said her arm was, she was just kind of going like this in circles. And they weren't really sure what she was trying to do, but she kept going like this with her arm. And they realized that she was saying that she wanted to write something down on a piece of paper. So they gave her a pen and paper. And because she couldn't talk, they said she just kept writing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus over and over again. And I remember we went back and like every time we would go back like her, head like became misshapen a bit because the tumor was growing so aggressively that they had to kind of like provide relief so that it could continue to grow and make space and like man she had to use a catheter and it was just all kinds of just debilitation because of this tumor that's in her brain and she would have this look just kind of on her face and you knew that that sweet girl that spirit was in there but you would look at her eyes and they'd kind of be glazed over And I remember one of the last times that we went there, there were all these people that were there from the church and they were singing worship songs. And she used to love worship. And there was a woman in our church that uh, wrote a couple worship songs and and, and there was this one that, that was really popular and she went and she sang this song. And when they wheeled her off into like a surgery that she had, her hands were just, I just remember it so clear, her hands were up in the bed. Like you could just see her hands like over the top of her just worshiping. And Stephanie passed away. And when I tell that story, I know that many of us 
would think about everything that I just said right now about God renewing all things and that there is hope in Jesus. And many of us would say, you know what? You basically just shot a big old hole in your sermon because what you just said right now, the last thing that that does for me is bring me hope. But I want you to remember what Stephanie was saying, rewind the time when that tumor was gone and we were celebrating, we were focused on the wrong thing. She said, no, 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 don't worry about this. It's all about Jesus. Because no matter what happens, just like Romans 14, 7 says, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Friends, I can't tell you how many people have come to know that there is a God that provides hope in the midst of suffering. And because they realize that, they have submitted their lives to Jesus simply because of Stephanie's story. Do you realize that God used Stephanie in more powerful ways now that she's gone? But for us, we look at the wrong thing and we say, no, 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 no. God robbed her life. He took her too soon. So, so that's not good. And I remember you. I remember this. She would say to me, she'd say, CZ, don't feel bad for me when I'm gone. She said, I'm not going to be looking back at you guys wishing that I was down there. (laughs) You're going to be wishing that you were with me. Damn. God is going to make all things new. Write it down. This is a trustworthy saying. Take it to the bank. God is making things new through Stephanie even right now. God is making things new in our lives. And the renewal starts with us. There's two things that I want us to know as we finish this time. There's two things, two different kind of places that we might be in. The first one is this. If you're in here today and you feel far off from God and you feel broken and you feel less than, and you feel dirty, and you feel ashamed, and you feel like the sin that you have in your life is too big for God to forgive. You feel like you're too dirty for God to make new. You feel like everything in your life is against you, and you have no hope. I want you to know know that this promise that God will make all things new begins today for you if you want. He can make you new. He can rescue you today because of what we saw in Ephesians, that Jesus came and he repaired. He brought close what was far off. The wall that separated us, Jesus begins to repair that. And what we see in that verse is not only do we see that God repairs that far offness, but it says that Jesus brings peace. And you know what that means? That means that, yes, things are still broken. And yes, the renewal is still going on. But the peace that Jesus brings is the peace that sustains us as we join him in the work of seeing the rest of all this stuff become new. And then the final piece. You might be in here today and saying, man, I don't understand what the point is of life. I I understand that Jesus is important. I understand that church is important, but I don't know what this means for my life. Well, I need you to know that your mission, my mission, the community's mission, is to join him in the work of the renewal of all things. And the beautiful peace and the assurance that comes with that is that it's not about you. It's all about him. Through his spirit, we can live out the true mission. I will make all things new. Write it down. It's a trustworthy saying. Father, thank you for my friends. I thank you for this promise 
I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that our brokenness can be made whole, that you can restore and rescue even right now. And I pray that as we join you in this work, God, we would lean on the power of the Spirit of God to usher us into the next steps of this promise. You will make all things new, and God, we want to join you in that work. That's our true mission. We want to be true community. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.